What's up, movie friends? Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. Today, we're going to do an actor spotlight on the great Will Smith, who has been an icon for a long time, for about three decades now. This guy has been a huge box office hit. He's a great dramatic actor, um, great comedic actor, also a rapper. He's got two Oscar nominations, four Grammy wins. His Oscar noms are for Pursuit of Happiness and Ali. All around, just an exceptional actor and professional. And we grew up loving him. We saw all of his movies, whether it be Men in Black. Men in Black was our first DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Independence Day. Our brothers uh, were the right age for Fresh Prince, but we watched it with them sometimes. And then we did watch it on our own a little bit, but it was more their age range. But we definitely did watch Fresh Prince for sure. But our first exposure to Will really was Men in Black, I would say. Yeah, he's a legend. He's one of the mm -hmm. biggest stars of all time. And like when we keep talking, Talking about like the end of movie stars, he's one of those last class of movie stars. He's like there with like Leo, Will, uh, Tom Cruise, Meryl Streep, like those people. It's like a class of movie star, Jackie Chan. And also, he was at that he was at that ability to command twenty million dollars per movie, which is something that only major movie stars were able to do. And after the success of back to back, you have Men in Black, and then you have Independence Day. That catapulted him into superstardom, and I think Will Smith was very smart, and it's something that a lot of Hollywood stars have emulated, which is his career choices, because he, Will Smith and his agent decided they wanted to pursue big-budget sci-fi early in his career to try and get to a mainstream audiences, and that really worked for him, getting both Men in Black, to, Men in Black and Independence Day. They were big hits, and sometimes sci-fi films don't work out, but I think that he's probably the main reason why both of those movies became so successful, so I think that he geared his career in the right strategy by going i want to do a sci-fi big budget movie and this will help propel me into stardom the fastest way possible rather than pursuing dramatic roles rather than pursuing ind independent films he understood how important being a blockbuster was yeah i think will just understands himself as a brand and we'll get more into will smith but before we continue the best way to support raiders of the lost podcast is to share us with your family and friends and become a patron at patreon.com slash raiders of the lost podcast patrons get perks like personalized videos podcast schedules our top tier patrons get a monthly shout out on the podcast and every single patron also has access to all video content on Patreon as well as our bonus episodes, which post every Wednesday. Go to our new website, RaidersOfTheLostPodcast.com and check out all of our sources of content, our merch and movie posters. Follow, subscribe wherever you're listening. And thank you so much for tuning in around the world. And that's a great point. So Will Smith, you know, he was a rapper at first. So he, he, he grew up, his father was a U.S. veteran. His mother was a school board uh, administrator. And he at first, well, I think he wanted to pursue engineering and he was, was tinkering around the idea of going to MIT and almost went to a summer program there when he was in high school. But then he wanted to become a rapper. And in 1989, 1999, he did hit it big as a rapper. And then he had some bangers. Yeah. So he started as the MC, like the hype man of DJ Jazzy Fresh and the Fresh Prince. And parents just don't understand then summertime were huge hits yeah and then he had uh miami and then uh, just the two of us uh, wild wild west was a big hit yeah so too. those are later on but yeah. that was before his movie career because nbc signed him to star in the sitcom fresh prince of bel-air and that started in 1990 and ran until 1996 and while he was acting and that began his acting career he decided to become the greatest biggest movie star on the planet which he succeeded in doing and like you said he did that by going after big box office potential roles but also studying box office legends and their characteristics and what made them such huge draws like those actors of his past i would say the closest thing the closest actor you can compare will smith to has got to be harrison ford yeah in terms of the star power 
in terms of the choices of roles that he made early in his career. I think that he really emulated what Will Harrison Ford did, where Harrison Ford was just in the biggest movies every couple of years for decades, and that really cemented his status as one of the biggest leading men in the world. So I think that he definitely, for sure, had to have drawn inspiration from what Harrison did. Absolutely. And what worked so well for Will with creating his brand as an actor was also his music and his rapping. So for when he was in Men in Black, he had a song that coincided with the with the movie. So it was this great marketing opportunity for him. Same thing, like I said, with Wild West. So he's able to implement his musical and rapping talents to benefit himself and the movie and his musical career as well as the film career. And there's a rumor, I think it might be true, that he said in an interview that he was inspired to become the biggest entertainer on the planet after his girlfriend broke up with him as a way of like making it like getting kind of getting back at her he, he vowed to become the biggest entertainer on the planet isn't that like part of lady gaga's inspiration where she was in a coffee shop and her boyfriend at the time was like you'll never hear yourself at this in, yeah, on, like, yeah, the yeah. radio or something yeah. like that yeah he said that to her i think something, something like that something yeah. along the lines like right when they were breaking up i think yeah and the thing with will is that what sets him apart from pretty much every other actor i can't think of another one maybe jamie fox you could say is in the same caliber of being able this trifecta of acting, uh, music, and comedy because mm-hmm. not even like Hugh Jackman is a very talented performer, but he doesn't do comedy. You know, he can sing, he can dance, and he can act, but but he doesn't do also like music or pop yeah, music exactly. But Will Smith, he can do all the like doing. He could just make people laugh just from talking. Um, he doesn't. He's never really done stand up, but he could do it, and he essentially does do it sometimes when he's in um, performing and stuff. And it, also, com- combining that with the successful music career and a gigantic acting career, I-, I can't think of many people who have even come close to that. Like, I like musicians have tinkered with the movie career. Like David Bowie is like comes to my mind as a musician, a major huge magician, magi- musician, not he is magician. A magician. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like the reverse, where his music career is enormous. Then he has like a pretty decent film career. Yeah. Same thing with probably will happen with Harry Styles where he's a massive musician with a like a simple film not a simple film career but a solid film career but not like Will's the reverse where his movie career is one of the biggest of all time and then his music career it's still going like he, he even just made a song with Logic a couple of years ago so he still has music that he comes out with regularly but I get I say you gotta only compare it with Jamie Foxx because of the comedy aspect because yeah. Jamie Foxx can just do stand up and crack you up mm-hmm. although Jamie Foxx's music career isn't as big as Will's was he's definitely had some huge hits I would say Childish Gambino Donald Glover is kind of in that direction. Yeah, exactly. Too. That's a great point. So yeah. the comedy, the music, yeah. and the film career, because he also and the TV career. So he's like a forfect. Although Donald Glover's comedy was at a time when he was a very different persona. Yeah, you could. Yeah, he would never do comedy now. Stand up. Yeah, you're probably His stand up right. was very. It was Donald Glover. There was no such thing as the Donald Glover we know now. It was yeah. like the dorky guy from Community, and it was very nerdy stand up. His stand up was so funny. It was very funny, very but funny. he had like this persona change as he matured, and I think he ch- basically changed what people thought of him and when he became childish gambino that i think he got rid of that dorky nerdy persona that he used to have yeah but everyone i think when they start making it in hollywood they have to understand that they themselves are a brand and what kind mm-hmm. of brand do you want to be going forward and that's exactly. something that will has always had on his mind especially recently he's got like a huge youtube channel he's huge on social media TikTok's so massive, he's just yeah. adapted to the new forms of content and mediums that are out there for stars to use for their platform and he just seems like he just has the most fun of all time of all actors you could say and he is just extremely likable extremely charismatic some those are qualities that you can't teach anyone to have and I think everyone loves Will Smith you can't find someone who has a bad thing to say about him audiences adore him he's been a hit machine for years and he also seems like he's a a great dad uh, a great family man Uh, it seems like 
what he and Jada Pinkett Smith have have created in their family is some. It's hard to believe that all of them are so famous, including the kids, but they still seem like they're a, t- a close knit family, which is probably hard to do for any other famous family. Yeah, especially when you're around all that wealth and publicity and and just being a massive star, just being born to Will Smith as his son or daughter, you're just enormous of a, as a star. Remember, remember that Key and Peele skit about Jaden Smith? Oh my God, it's so <laughs> funny. Key and Peele, oh, it's so good. If you guys love Key and Peele, watch the, Smith, the skit they did about Jaden Smith as a kid being like super wealthy and not understanding the real world. It's so <laughs> it's funny. so good. It's great. <laughs> but also something that Will does, I think, with his roles to enhance his brand and maintain it is he doesn't really take villain roles like you could say the the most villainous character he's played is hancock and he's an anti-hero really so he never plays a straight up he still villain. saves the day yeah so that's what i mean so he doesn't play a straight up that's the villain of the film i don't think he's ever done it he also understood how important it's just like the western idea that was uh, illustrated in once upon a time in hollywood where uh, uh rick dalton speaks with al pacino's character saying that you lose fights, so the audience looks at you as like a loser. So it's time for you to start winning fights, basically. And Will Smith, for like the first 10 years of his career, he made it uh, a contract stipulation that he has to save the day in every movie he stars in, no very matter smart. what. He's just a very smart, intelligent guy, high yeah. IQ. And so, he, you know, that's the exact same as going to Italy to start in Westerns. Exactly. So that's his form of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Will Smith's awesome. We love him so much. He was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1968. Um, and that's where it all started with his music career, rapping, and then Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which is an iconic show. We, we loved it. I mean, I've seen reruns a ton of times, and he's so funny in that. And then he dominated the early 90s. I mean, the films that he came out with just for, to start your career is absurd. So why don't we dive into his filmography? Let's take a deep dive. And I would say that starting with Six Degrees of Separation was probably his first major acting role. And it was a serious role for him, a dramatic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Role and he was in the middle of Fresh Prince, but he wanted to get into feature films. And you can't just start off with with Bad Boys right away. You have to prove yourself on screen. So this was a, a minor supporting role for him. Before that, he was in Made in America and Where the Day Takes You. And again, Fresh Prince of Bel Air started in 1990 and ran to 1996, and he was in 148 episodes of that show. So what's so cool about Will is he's even though he was becoming the biggest movie star on the planet he was still acting in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So that's mm-hmm. so fun, I bet, for him. Yeah, he did Bad Boys while he was doing Fresh Prince. Yeah, so Six Degrees of Separation was in 1993, and then Bad Boys 1995, directed by Michael Bay. He plays Mike Lowry. Mike and we, Lowry. And we talked about Bad Boys in our Buddy Cop episode, which was, like, I think the end of last year. And yeah. We love Bad Boys. The first two are so good. The third one's pretty solid, too. We loved it as kids. We yeah. were obsessed with but it. But Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, 
Every scene they're in together is just gold. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and that movie it was Michael Bay's directorial debut, and it was the first time we saw his visual style as a director. And I think Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, their chemistry together, the, you could tell most of that movie was clearly improvised. And, you know, I think that Will Smith just put his personality into the role, and you could just see how much natural charisma he has in this in this performance. Yeah, him and Martin are just, they go, it's like, Peas and carrots, like peas and carrots. <laughs> this great one-two punch, and you know the Bad Boys films are great, and and that was a big success. It wasn't massive, but it was still a very successful movie. But getting his name out there to large box office audiences mm. in film outside of his TV show and outside of these smaller roles, roles like in Six Degrees of Separation and Made in America. And also, he's not the lead; he's the co-lead right now. So it's not until a few years after this where he starts leading these big movies. But I think it was like. He's in these kind of ensemble big budget movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then Independence Day in 1996 launched this guy into super stardom. He plays Captain Steven Hiller. He's a he's an Air Force pilot. And this is Independence Day. Aliens come. They blow up the White House and they start <laughs> to take over the world. And it's up to him and Jeff Goldblum to save the day. And this is an ensemble, but he is the best part of the movie. 100 Without a doubt. He make, he steals every scene he's in. And when he's not on screen, you like kind of wish you were with that character again. Although Jeff Goldblum's great. This is yeah. prime Jeff Goldblum's virus. We have to give it a virus. <laughs> <laughs> Computer virus. <laughs> and they're great together because they're, com- they're very different people. You know what I mean? Very different personalities. But I think that Will Smith brought so much to that pilot character because pilots, you know, they're cool. They're badass. You know, they're Top Gun. Air Force pilots. And he is like the new Top Gun of our childhood. You know what I mean? And like when he punches the alien in the face, it's like it's so funny. And what's that smell? What's that damn smell? (laughs) (laughs) He's so funny. And yeah, it's like mostly improvised lines by him. And. It's a Roland Emmerich film, so you know <laughs> things gonna are going to blow up. Things, it's almost the end of the world, and you take this movie with a grain of salt. I think when we were kids, this movie was so cool, but like I feel like when you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh, this is kind of cringe sometimes. It's a, it's a ridiculous movie, but I mean, it was made for young audiences, and it's a popcorn flick. It's not as ridiculous as his newest movie looks, the uh, the moon one, where it oh looks my like God. the moon's coming closer to Earth, and the, it's yeah, the, the giant alien inside of it. Oh my God. It's pretty oh, wild. Take it easy, Roland. Hey man, his movies make money. People yeah. still go see them. I don't know, the last Independence Day movie didn't make money. Did he direct it? Yeah. Uh, it might have made some international money. But, but let's just say there's a reason why Will Smith didn't return to the Independence Day sequel. It, I think they could have had a great trilogy. I think it could have been, like, they could have improved in the second film. And it could have been something pretty cool. It was very could interesting. Could have been. And But you have to have Will as the lead. Will, Will and Jeff. That doesn't work. Yeah, it does not work. All right. And then... In 1997, Will Smith starred in Men in Black oh, alongside yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, and he plays Jay. And he is recruited by Tommy Lee Jones' character into the Men in Black, which is a secret agency that is in charge of maintaining the alien population on Earth. This was like the coolest movie when we saw this as we were, when we were kids. And Will Smith steals this movie. He and Tommy Lee Jones playing off each other is just perfect. Like, their chemistry together is mind-boggling good. And this is just so entertaining, so much fun. Great action, cool CGI. It was just a fun ride. Yeah, his character Jay is awesome, too. I like this one so much better than than they, than the third one. I mean, the, the reboot it's they did. It's actually a really good movie. Yeah, it really he is. He has great motivation. He's an awesome character. He's hysterical. He's charismatic. It showed, like, all the great traits of Will Smith in the film. And then he grows a lot as a character in the film. And then him and Tommy Lee Jones, like you said, are, are so good together. And again, this was our first DVD we ever got. We got it as a birthday present from our dad on our seventh birthday, I believe. 
Yeah, we thought Will Smith was the coolest guy alive. He still is. I make this look good. <laughs> so many great lines in this movie, and and Will Smith pulls off the action. And once again, like I said earlier, he focused on let me do sci-fi, big-budget studio films, and that can propel me into superstar. And by the entire family, every age can learn who Will Smith is and become a fan of him, which is why which that really builds a great career. If people of all ages are fans of you, that that's money you can't pay for that exactly you know? a ton of family friendly films because like you said you have fans for life when we're seven years old seeing men in black in theaters falling in love with the character and the guy and then we're still talking about it and yeah. still a fan of will smith 30 years later yeah, every time he well, has a 30 movie. years later <laughs> every time he has a movie coming out we're always just like oh it's the new will smith movie it's just that's what happens when you solidify yourself with such a young crowd and such an older crowd as well and then enemy of the state came out in 1999 he plays robert clayton dean i like this because it was a more serious dramatic role for will which he hadn't really done i don't think is really his entire career up until this point and i think he's phenomenal in this movie this is a tony scott movie it's it's awesome and uh, he took the role because he wanted to work with gene hackman and gene hackman's one of the greatest actors to ever live and to be able to work with him he even took a will smith even took a pay cut just to be in the film and this film it I, it's a really great film it even feels like it could be a a cousin of gene hackman's earlier film the conversation mm-hmm. very similar ideas and themes and this is like you know, he's done the family-friendly sci-fi studio films, let me do an adult movie, but it's still big budget, action, high stakes, but it's made for adult audiences. Yeah, political conspiracy thriller. Let's yeah. see if I can pull off the dramatic acting, which he absolutely does because, he, again, he's an amazing dramatic actor. And again, following in the footsteps of Harrison Ford, this is basically like Harrison Ford's roles a couple of times, like Clear and Present Danger, and then also, um, what's the one with Tommy Lee Jones? The the the, the, the fugitive, the fugitive, yeah. fugitive, exactly. Something with the F. So someone who's at the government's after them, and they're on the run and being innocent. Although in this film, he un- unknowingly um, discovered very um, compromising information to the government, so they're going after him for this. So You're absolutely right. His career is just like I'm Harrison telling you, Ford. it's the same. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, who who better to emulate than the most successful actor of all time? And I mean, and then in 1999, he was in Wild Wild West, which he took this role in t- instead of doing The Matrix. He was offered The Matrix by the Wachowskis, but I, from what he said, I think I've read in interviews and seen on 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 interviews is he didn't really fully understand what they were. Going for going for with the movie and the way they were explaining to him, I think I don't think it crossed like through his mind the right way. And I think he said that he also wasn't mature enough to take the role. You can definitely say he wasn't mature enough because yeah, he gives a great performance in Enemy Enemy of the State, but he he was also improvising comedy into it, which they cut out a lot of improvised lines of him because. And he even said in interviews during Enemy of the State, he had trouble not being funny. He was mm-hmm. tr- he he had he struggled not coming up with quick witty funny lines and. And that was a, a problem with his acting he discovered in that movie. Yes. And, it, and then also, it, at this time, like I said, he made it a contract stipulation where he has to save the world at the end of the movie. And so even though, yeah, Neo is a hero, he, ultimately by the end of the film, he was walking into the movies with the attitude of like, I am the hero already before really caring more about the script and the story. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially like when you're a rapper and then you become a comedic actor or an action star for eight years to now switch on a dime and try to change your entire entire style up, really. Yeah. So I understand why he wouldn't take the role. And he also says that he thinks that Keanu was perfect after, so seeing, too, yeah. after seeing his performance and that he couldn't have done as he says he, he personally said he couldn't have done what Keanu Reeves did yeah and I know a lot of people are skeptical about Keanu's talents as an actor but I think that he he's a perfect Neo 
It's the, he, the performance is like yeah. it's 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 more nuanced performance I think than people understand. Exactly. The, and the thing with with Keanu is he he only has a certain amount of range. He's not Daniel Day Lewis. You know what I mean? But if you if he has the right material, he gets the job done better than most. And he actually is very talented. I think that it's his mannerisms and his nature is what makes people think he's not that talented of an actor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just the, I like the way he at naturally is. Maybe Will's just too confident of a guy to have taken the role at that time. That's ex- that's a great point because Neo is the opposite of confident in the first hour of the movie. And Wild Wild West, you could say, I mean, it ha- the, he had the right intentions, but it just didn't work. And the tone of it just didn't feel right. The blending of the sci-fi in the, in the Western, I mean, it's hard to pull off. And I just think that... They went with the wrong tone for this movie. Yeah, I liked it when I was a kid, but... We loved it as kids. But, like, if you watched it now, I'm sure it'd be pretty cringe. And its box office, it made a lot of money. It was $222 million, but on a budget of $170 million. So it probably didn't make its money back when you factor in all the marketing and everything with it. Because this was a heavily marketed movie. It was everywhere. I would say if you factor in the marketing, the budget was probably $300 million. Yeah. So it lost money. And then you divide between the studios and the theaters, the profits. So they definitely lost money. But what I read is that the studio researched the audience and they discovered that a lot of young kids, a lot of the ticket sales were because young kids were buying tickets to Wild Wild West and then sneaking into South Park <laughs> because they were out at the same time. So they were buying the tickets but weren't even watching the movie they uh, discovered. We've, we've, we've done the switcheroo a few times oh, with yeah. kids. Yeah. And then obviously parents weren't going to let like parents were very much against the South Park movie. Oh yeah. So kids, it was difficult for kids to see that. Yeah, and this is before the internet. Really, everybody yeah. we had to sneak into those movies. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, Wild Wild West. It's cool to see Will Smith as a cowboy, as an outlaw. So, but I think that aspect's cool. It would have been cool, great if they grounded it. Yeah, made it more simple. But this is the '90s, yeah. you know. And then moving on into 2000, Will Smith starred in The Legend of Bagger Vance, and this is a co-star role with Matt Damon. Matt Damon plays a professional golfer. Although, even though he's the co-star, he is the title character, so that's the difference. And basically, Bagger Vance is like this legendary figure in the golf world, kind of like a a ghost in a way. Mysterious. And it's unsure if he's even real. And he helps Matt Damon's character, like, overcome the issues and psychological issues he's having with his golf game to help him to become a champion. Yeah, and this is, I think it's a really good sports movie. I think it's it's not the greatest ever made, but I really like this movie. It's very different for Will Smith for, <clears throat> sorry, for his acting and obviously working with Matt Damon, I'm sure it was a draw, but the biggest draw for this movie was working with Robert Redford who directed this film and being such a fan of his, Will Smith signed on for that reason. Yeah, there's a couple of really good golf movies, I think, besides like Happy Gilmore and the, the Shia LaBeouf one. The, yeah, the Shia LaBeouf one, I like the that. Greatest game ever played. Yeah, those, are, those both are, I think, really cool golf movies because it's hard to capture that sport in a film way to make it interesting and enticing. Not that golf's not interesting, but it can be a very boring sport. It's boring. It takes a long time to finish a game. And also, at professional athletes, they play a lot of golf games, matches. So it's difficult, like you said, to pull it off in, a, in two hours to make it entertaining and intriguing. And then the next movie he did was Ali in 2001. He plays Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali. This is where he got his first Oscar nomination for. I believe he didn't want to originally do the role, but Muhammad Ali himself convinced Will Smith to take the role. Muhammad Ali convinced him to take the role by saying that you're the only person handsome enough to play me. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what he, he sounds like. And this is, um, I think this is, could be Michael Mann's least, um, most underrated movie. I think it's really fantastic. And I've, I, the movie, I, the reason why audiences didn't really gravitate to it, it wasn't a huge success, I think, is because the runtime, 
And also Michael Mann's approach to it is very character driven rather than plot driven. And but I think he really captured Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali in a brilliant way, a very nuanced way. And it's a it's a daunting task to play. Muhammad Ali was probably the most iconic figure in America for over a decade, like the most the biggest star even in the planet. 20, 30 years probably. You, you know, everyone loved him. Although, no, not everyone loved him. He was controversial as well because of his stance on the war, but he was bigger than life. And I think it's uh, obviously with his way of speaking, his mannerism, it's a daunting task for an actor to try and, and impersonate him. But I think Will Smith was a perfect choice, and he did an amazing job. Yeah, I mean, America in the mid-20th century, we're talking about Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali are the biggest names probably in film and sports, even though... Bruce Lee was a—he's a—he's a mixed martial artist and the founder of it, basically. But I mean, he, he didn't comp compete publicly. But those two guys were huge stars in the film world. And Ali is a great movie because of the elements with the draft and the war and how uh, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali's stance on not being drafted led him to be imprisoned and everything, and basically just the protests of not being part of the draft, but also being the greatest boxer to ever live. It's a great, great movie. Yeah, and. Will Smith, you know, when you play a boxer, you have to commit to the workout regimen of boxers in order to be believable as a fighter. And for this performance, he prepared for for many months. What do you do? He would run for five five miles every morning, go on a run, and then he would box for three hours, and then he would weight train later that afternoon. And he did that for five months straight. It's a lot of work. That's a ton of work. He he got up to two hundred fifteen pounds. It's it's actually interesting because last episode we were actually talking about how with the hurricane Denzel House, so many great actors they get that one boxing role because yeah. it's always like a great. It's like, an thing. honor. Yeah, I think it's an honor for actors to be able to play a boxer after Rocky, after and even like on the waterfront with Marlon Brando. You know what Raging I mean? Bull. Raging Bull. I think that being able to play a boxer is definitely something every actor wants to do. I mean, Jake and Southpaw, that's a sick movie. Oh, yeah. And even, um, what's his name from War Dogs? What's his name from Whiplash? Jo I mean, uh, Miles Teller. Miles Teller was great in that um, boxing movie, the underdog one with the guy who had the broken neck. Yeah, we love boxing movies. Oh, yeah. All right, moving on to 2002 when Will was back in Men in Black 2, the sequel. And in this film, Kay had his memory wiped, obviously, at the end of the first one. But in this one... Jay needs to bring K back in, so he has to bring his, return his memory to him, and then solve the solve the save the day. And this is like world. this is like full on Will Smith movie. You know, what I mean, he is just like front and center, the star. It's centered on him for sure. And then obviously they changed the dynamic dynamic between him and Tommy Lee, which mixed it up and kept it fresh. I think that you know, say what you want about the Men in Black franchise, they always did try to do something very different with each sequel. And this one. It's a lot of fun. It's not as good as the first one, but it's still got great action. It's it's good for audiences, great for kids to see, super entertaining, very funny. And, you know, I mean, I think it's just a good time. And then in 2002, 2003, the next year, he was in Bad Boys 2, reprising his role as Detective Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry, the better Bad Boys. Alongside Martin Lawrence. Yeah, this one's awesome. It's really well made. I think the, the plot's fantastic. We have them investigating the flow of ecstasy into Florida from the Cuban drug cartel. It's I think it's funnier too, especially when they're on like their their uh, espionage missions. Like They're like pretending to be the electricians or whatever it is, and he's inside the house. and It's just a lot of fun. and It's got great action yeah. too. It's got a ph phenomenal uh, car chase 
so much destruction. Obviously, Michael Bay showing the potential he had for destruction for the Transformers franchise with this film. But this movie, like, they upped the ante. They got a bigger budget. And the personalities between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, again, play so well. The comedy they make together is fantastic. Gabriel Union's a great co-lead in this film. Uh, this is just a really fun time. And I think it's the best Bad Boys. I think so, too. Bad Boys 1 is super fun and everything. Yeah. But I think that this one, just the story's better and the filmmaking's better. And also because in the first one, it's fun, but Will, but Mike Lowry, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith pretending to be the other one kind of takes away the, the fun chemistry aspect of their characters. So to see just Mike Lowry being Mike Lowry is great. Yeah, and if you're watching on YouTube or on social media right now, you may have noticed that Anthony and I have a few new laptops on our desks, courtesy of LG. These are the LG 17-inch Gram Ultra Lightweight Laptops. The cool thing about these laptops is their 16-10 aspect ratio versus the 16-9 you usually get with laptops, so we have more, more vertical space, better for movies, better for notes and editing. And also, these things are exceptionally light. They feel like cardboard. They're, they could float if I dropped it, I'm sure. We'll put links in our YouTube video bio for the LG Gram 16-inch and 17-inch models. Thank you, LG, for the LG Gram laptops and for sponsoring the show. And I got to tell you about Arc Studio Pro, the most efficient, streamlined, and elegant screenwriting software on the market. Arc Studio Pro has teamed up with our podcast to offer a very special deal, $30 off their package if you follow the link in this YouTube video. Now, Arc Studio Pro provides users with a perfect formatting experience when writing a script. If you're writing a script or you, you want to be a screenwriter, the format is the most important aspect of your screenplay. Now, Arc Studio Pro has amazing features, including the plot board, which allows you to easily organize your plot points and acts with this drag and drop system. It's basically like using digital flashcards. It's super helpful. Now, there are two versions of Arc Studio Pro. There's the basic one, which is free. That basically all, all it has is you can write, you can save, and that's pretty much it. But the premium version, which costs $99 per year with $30 off from our special link, has so many perks, including apps for your desktop and phone, online collaboration with co-writers, so it's basically like Google Documents, super helpful outlining tools, revision management, and links to feedback. Once again, the premium version costs $99 per year, but follow the link in this YouTube video and that will take $30 off your price of Arc Studio Pro. Again, head on over to Arc Studio Pro and get your writing started today. Now let's head on into our intermission. How do you feel about that? I feel great about it. All right, well, we'll begin with our movie quote competition. I have one from a fan, one from me. This is from Braden Bish. Would you rather get a bullet to the head or five to the chest and bleed to death? Oh, man, I know this. That's a good quote. Bullet to the head, five to the chest, and bleed to death. I don't know. It's not an action movie. Yeah. I, uh, is it a Western? No. No. Shoot. I don't know. Billy Bean and Moneyball. Oh, that's a good quote. Great quote. Great quote, Braden. Yeah, it's a metaphor he's talking about. It is a metaphor. 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 Or is it a simile? No, it's a metaphor. <laughs> Here's, oh, what's your your regular quote? All right, this one's for me. This is pretty easy, but I think it's just a great quote. <laughs> so don't now if I get it wrong, I look like an idiot. Well, if you get this wrong, you definitely are an idiot. <laughs> you still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. Alien. Yeah. I did this one like a month ago. Did you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, way to be original. <laughs> Always following my lead, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my quote. The loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. 
Oh, I feel like I just watched whatever movie this is in recently. The loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. I don't know. What is it? Frank Lucas, American Gangster. Yes. It's pretty good. It's a good one. All right, moving on to guess that movie release year. What year did Dirty Harry come out in? Ooh, a good one. I'm going to say 1976, 71. Oh, man. That was way off. That was pretty bad. Shut up. All right, here's my movie release year. What year did Thelma and Luis come out? Oh, I love this movie. Let's prove how much you love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. It's Brad's super young. It's his first movie role. It's gotta be. It's gotta be the eighties. Nineteen eighty-seven. Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Yeah. Oh man. I guess yeah, gotta I guess, be the eighties. Well, uh, let's see. What year is True Romance? That was what ninety. True Romance. Nineteen ninety. No, I mean, not true. Not, true Romance was like 93, 92. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 93, I think. Because he did... Well, Tony Scott made True Romance. Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't know why you brought up True Romance. Because Brad Pitt's in it. He's in True... Oh, you're right. He is in it. Wow, do you have a movie podcast? <laughs> I was up. like, what does Tony Scott have to do with shut Brad Pitt? Up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you're so cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Brad Pitt plays the, the, the stoner couch surfer. Come on. All right, movie pop quiz time. Speaking of the devil... Speak of the devil, and <laughs> he, he shall appear. Brad Pitt has a cameo in Deadpool 2. Who does he play? He plays the invisible guy. Do you know his name? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know comic book characters that well. <laughs> I do not. The Vanisher. The Vanisher, obviously. Yeah, he did uh, He did that role for free. All he asked was that they got him a coffee when he got there. Well, it's just one shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny when you see it. Okay, I actually did a superhero one as well. My quiz question is, how many times has Hugh Jackman played Wolverine in movies? In movies, I believe it is nine, but ten counting, I think they use footage from another one. So it's nine for, like, officially. Well, I have ten. Yeah, so the so. tenth one is, like, it's not officially, like, him for that role. What is it? What do you mean? I can't remember. Do you have the list? No, I don't have the list, but I just Google searched it. Yeah. It well, says he. It said he played him in movies movies in 10 10 movies yeah but i think one of them is like from another movie they took the footage uh-huh i think i don't know what you'd be talking about well i mean i i obviously knew it was 10 but you said nine i said nine but technically 10 i heard nine uh, we can play it back <laughs> <laughs> all right who's our biggest hate of the week besides you <laughs> i got a bunch of so the haters of the week there's a couple they're nolan haters when you made a clip about uh, Chris Nolan going to Universal for the next for his next movie, uh, there were plenty of people that just hating on it. So Ranma said, Ranma 2021, theatrical releases are going the way of the dinosaurs. These artists are just holding back the inevitable. Jeez, that's pretty grim. And then next we have Hot Take. People worship him for no reason. I mean, he's only made some of the most influential movies of the century. And then Johnny395, gotta be honest, Dunkirk wasn't that good for me, and Tenet sucks. Oh my god. Hopefully he gets his mojo back. Dunkirk is a masterpiece. <laughs> Are you kidding me? 
What do you? What more do you want from a movie? Dunkirk is one of the best war movies ever. What made. do you need? Like seriously, sorry that Iron Man doesn't show up, bro. <laughs> My God, and then, there's so many more comments where people are like backing the studio. Like I can't believe Nolan, he's so selfish. Like, do you? I, I can't believe people take the side of the multi-billion-dollar corporations over the artists. Like he's yeah. the reason they make billions of dollars off his property, off his, off what he creates, and everyone's siding with them. This is like the rare example where the artist and creator is getting full control over everything about his project. Like you should be stoked for that and they Warner Brothers basically betrayed Nolan pretty much that's why he left you know what I mean it's nuts just like they betrayed Zack Snyder oh man man Warner Brothers is taking a bunch of L's lately so many L's so many L's how do you not side with the creator I don't get it yeah and the the artist my gosh yeah we're gonna get the corporate takeover of movies even worse if theaters die people are happy with it he's trying to keep theaters alive everybody people are happy with it that's what he's doing All right, and then we got some uh, some uh, we got a fun hater on our Fight Club episode Rocky Troop said, I swear this isn't allowed. You guys had one job. I will watch this with no volume and out of respect. Unsubscribed. I don't even know what episode you're talking about. There was no episode about that film. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I they did not We're mean... not supposed to talk about that. Yeah, of course not. My bad. <laughs> All right, that's good for haters. All right, cool. Let's move on to biggest supporters of the week. We have two great five-star reviews. The first one is from Big Chief Clay. Pizza. Listening to this podcast is a lot like eating pizza. When it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it's still pretty good. (laughs) I love that metaphor. (laughs) Are you sure it's not a simile? (laughs) And then... Actually, it is a simile because they said like... And then Tio Jitty, haters gonna hate, ainters gonna ain't. I love these guys. Great podcast. Love your take on cinema. I never miss a podcast. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. (laughs) <laughs> on this day in film history, today is September 23rd. In 1963, Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid premieres. In 1994, The Shawshank Redemption is released. And happy birthday to Anthony Mackie. My streaming recommendation is for Apollo 13, which is on Amazon Prime. It's the amazing story of the Apollo 13 lunar mission, which was supposed to land on the moon. Oh, the doc? No, it's the movie. Oh, the movie, okay. You know, the movie. Oh, like... no, there's a doc of the same name. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> Good for the dog. It's about that mission that was supposed to land, but they had technical difficulties as they were approaching the moon, so they had to do a turnaround and get back to base safely. What? <laughs> and they had a magician their way to to fix the ship on the way back because it was damaged, and so they had to use NASA showed them basically like using what materials they had on their craft to make to be able to survive the distance. Yeah, it's one of the best basement movies ever made by Ron Howard. So good. It's really good. Yeah. Tom Hanks stars. Yeah. My streaming recommendation is The Dead Zone, which is a Stephen King adaptation made by David Cronenberg and stars Christopher Walken. Really great, dramatic sci-fi movie. Check it out. All right, let's move back into Will Smith's filmography. And so in 2004, he starred in iRobot, which I love this movie. It was yeah. so fun when we saw it when we were young. I think it still holds up today. The CGI is actually really good. Um, he stars opposite um, Tom Brady's ex-girlfriend what's her name Bridget huh? Moynihan, Bridget Moynihan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, all I could think of was Tom Brady because that's usually what I'm thinking about anyways <laughs> so Bridget Moynihan and, and Shia LaBeouf Shia LaBeouf also but it's future where robots and androids are a part of day to day life and they they help people but then corruption ensues and they're all hijacked basically but also it deals with the concept of what it means to be human especially with this this one AI who's the first one to basically have human existence or or um uh, consciousness. consciousness and yeah <laughs> did you see um tesla uh, uh, elon musk's new robot designs 
they're making robots and look, oh, yeah. they look a lot like these oh, ones. Pretty similar. Yeah, and but this movie's fantastic, and we had a great time watching this in theaters, and it had like that cool Audi. Remember that badass Audi? It's pretty cool. Will Smith is just peak Will Smith, and great action hero, great lead. And I think this is a really underrated movie for sci-fi. It's not a perfect script, and ultimately, it's not like masterpiece territory, but it still gets the job done. Great special effects, great um, futuristic storytelling and ideas for what the future will be like. And I think AI robots or just robots in general are going to be an absolute for sure part of the future. And it might be a lot like this film. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I think it, it's a movie that deserves a sequel. That'd be cool. That would be sweet. I'd love to see a new yeah. one on this. Me, robot. And then in 2004, he voiced Oscar on Shark Tale. Shark Tale is a really sweet, fun, family-friendly animated film. It's I think it time. was the vo first voice acting role he ever did. And there's music in it, too, so they did a great job with that one. The movie has music in it? Wow. But musicals. Oh, musical okay. numbers. I, I think you. singing. Gotcha. If I, I remember correctly. Busting your balls because you said it has music in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure these all do, pal. <laughs> I'm not your pal. <laughs> and then 2005, <laughs> he uh, came out with Hitch. And this co-stars with Kevin James, and I think Kevin James and Will Smith are a great combo. Uh -huh. And I'm pretty sure I read that Will Smith got Kevin James cast because he's such a huge fan of King and Queens. Oh no way! Iconic sitcom. I love that show. Yeah, and Ava Mendes is great in this film. Yeah, as it's well. funny. It's it's hard. It's lighthearted. It's it's a good time. It's you know he's trying to coach Kevin James's character into getting the girl of his dreams, basically. Yeah, well, he's like, he's like a matchmaker. Yeah, but also going through transformation himself in terms of relationships. Yeah, because he's a player, and then when he meets Ava Mendes, he's like the coolest guy guy talking to woman play but when he meets Ava Mendez he can't keep it together he keeps messing up and it's like he met someone that is his kryptonite I don't know how anyone could keep it together if you're talking to Ava Mendez. yeah I don't know how Gosling did it <laughs> he's just Gosling that's why <laughs> ultimate game <laughs> but this is a great rom-com I think it's definitely an underrated one for sure it's a really good movie honestly and then 2006 he starred in the pursuit of happiness which is starring real-life Chris Gardner and this is probably his best performance in terms of dramatic acting, for sure, this is a it's, it's a devastating film. It's about how he ha is this up and coming technology that he developed that he's going to sell to all these medical companies and, and hospitals. But yeah, X-ray machines. But the machines basically become obsolete and they don't really need them anymore. And so Too expensive. He, and yeah. and so he has nothing to do with it. He put his entire life and savings into it. And so then it's about him trying to become a stockbroker on Wall Street by gaining an internship with them that he participates in at first, which has no pay and so he's trying to survive with just him and his son and they're homeless it's a really moving story and it's a it's so it's such a great real story i love it and you know his character you just root for him time and time again and things just keep falling apart on his face and you know when he gets arrested and then he gets and that causes him to go to his job interview covered in paint you know what i mean it's like nothing goes his way and it, it's difficult to it's like he's trying to raise a son while being homeless and it's like a, an impossible thing to do and it's just one of the ultimate underdog movies of recent memory yeah while trying to get a highly competitive job yeah and he did learn to solve a rubik's cube in less than 60 seconds which is pretty cool wow nice. and i was this the first movie that um jaden smith was in with him too yep his debut yeah that's pretty cool but yeah it's a very moving movie and then in 2007 he was in i am legend which was a huge film he plays robert neville so basically there's an outbreak of an infectious disease that takes over the world, and I think the dispute is, is it zombies or is it vampires? Technically, they're more like vampires because they can't go yeah, out at night. The sun. In, in the sun, I mean. And so he's kind of one of the last survivors in the world, but he's also a doctor, and 
is he a, like a, a virologist or something yeah. like that? And so he's trying to create the antidote to this infection that's taken over humanity. This is one of my favorite Will Smith movies. It's so good. And uh, Francis Lawrence directed this. He made the the first couple Hunger Games movies. Excellent director. And I think that this really kept like dystopian became a big genre for years after this movie became such a big success because it's a property no, no one ever heard of. You know, it's a great novel, but still it wasn't a franchise and yet it still made $600 million. And I think they knocked this movie out of the park. It's scary. It's got great action. Will Smith is terrific. And he is in 99% of this movie is just him by yeah. himself, you know? And what I love about this movie and this role for him specifically is I think it showcased all of his talents best up to this point in his career. You know, we have... Great dramatic acting and, and serious tones in this film. It's a dark movie and it's a drama, but also his charm and charisma is there. And there's some very light, funny, comedic role, um, moments from him as well. So I think that you could argue this is one of his best performances for sure. And it, again, it showcases everything he can do. And is also the origin of one of our most used movie quotes of all time. Saving that I bacon. I saving that bacon. Yeah, we always say we're saving that bacon. I say that to people all the time and I know they have no idea what yeah. I'm talking about. It's because, because yeah, it's because Alice Braga's character cooks the bacon when she when he's uh, injured in the morning, and he's like, "I was saving that bacon." <laughs> we say we do that all the time. No one knows what the hell we're ever talking about in general. Excellent movie, I love it. And then in 2008, uh, Will took his first dive into superheroes, and he played Hancock. And what's cool about Hancock is he's an anti-superhero, basically. So he's got he's this person with superpowers, but he doesn't usually use them for good. He uses them kind of selfishly for a lot of times. And then he also discovers that there are other supers in the world. I like Hancock because it's an original one. You know, it's not based on a character everyone knew. And you know, the thing Will Smith is. He's already a superhero in everyone's mind, so there's no need for him to play someone that people already know as a superhero because he's bigger than Superman. You know what I mean? He's just so famous and so beloved, so he doesn't need to he doesn't need to put on someone else's costume. He can be a superhero on his own. Yeah, and Charlize Theron is the co-star in this film, and she's fantastic in this as well. And she yeah. plays a villain. It's a twist. It's a twist. It's pretty cool. It's, it's great. a cool movie. Yeah, so it's a really good movie. It was originally supposed to be much darker, and they filmed it to be. Uh, pretty hard PG-13 almost rated R and they even got multiple R ratings from the MPAA and they had to cut a ton of like R rated adult stuff out but is it, I think it's a good movie Peter Berg directed it yeah and then 2008 he also starred in Seven Pounds which was written and directed by the same person who did The Pursuit of Happiness and I'm not hu too huge on this movie I don't think it, it worked quite as well as the pursuit of happiness so basically his character is on a path of redemption for some a horrible deed that he did in his past and he's trying to save the lives of other people i mean it has a an interesting concept but i just think that it was a little too melodramatic and will smith obviously his acting is incredible like it always is but just the story itself wasn't very good and it was just not at all a good approach to the to the subject and the concept and I think that this is without a doubt you gotta say is Will Smith's biggest miss as yeah. a leading actor yeah sometimes you just can't save a movie yeah. with even if you're a great actor in, in it and I'm sure they were like anticipating like, the twist will be the big turning point for audiences and it just didn't it was like kind of underwhelming like yeah. oh okay and then 2012, wow, he had a four-year hiatus from acting for a while. That's insane. Well, I mean, he was going ham for 10 years, you know? Yeah, so he probably needed a break, also raising kids and everything. Yeah. So in 2012, he came back to Men in Black and started Men in Black 3 opposite Tommy Lee Jones as well as Josh Brolin because Jay has to go back in time to, I think it's 1969, 
to work with the young version of K, played by Josh Brolin, who does a perfect impression of Tommy Lee Jones' this entire movie. This movie's way better than I thought it would be. Yeah. I thought it was going to be horrible, but it's not amazing, but it's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, and it makes sense. It's like, you know, your giant sci-fi franchise, what are we going to do next? Yeah. Let's go back in time. Yeah, like, here, why not? Here, jump off this building with this device, and you're in 1969. And the funny thing is, Josh Brolin's like 45 in this movie, but he's supposed to play Tommy Lee as like a 26-year-old. Yeah, but I'm, it's, I'm sure it's pretty hard to find someone who has the star power in, in a way. But, but also, he's perfect. Like, he 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 feels like Tommy Lee. He, he looks like Tommy he Lee. He seems like he's his son. Yeah, exactly. Even though he's James Brolin's son, but still. His voice is perfect. The accent's terrific. And, you know, it, Will Smith delivers it you know, like like he always does. And it's just it's better than it should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, Jermaine Clement is the villain. Yeah. <laughs> Jermaine. Awesome. Jermaine from Flight of the Concords, our guy. And um, then in 2012, I mean, 2013... He starred in After Earth, which is an M. Night film, and we always talk about M. Night being a hit or miss director, and this one's, you know, kind of a miss for us. And the interesting fact, though, is Will Smith came up with the story for this movie. Well, the story he came up with was supposed to be a small independent film about uh, a car wreck, so he and his son um, are in a car wreck in the middle, middle of the wilderness, and then his son has to survive the wilderness and try and find help for him. And then they brought that idea to M. Night Shyamalan, and Shyamalan turned into a big-budget sci-fi adventure. Of course he did. All right, that's a cool idea, Will, but what about if you're, like, on a spaceship and you crash? <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like, you land on this foreign planet. And it's like, after Earth, Earth. <laughs> But it's super dangerous. <laughs> and your son can fly. <laughs> Why does it fly? He glides. Well, he glides, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, the original concept is awesome, but then what M. Night did was just, it's a little too that's, much. No, I mean, that's what M. Night does. Yeah. Take a car wreck and turn it into a space crash. What if your name is Cypher Rage? <laughs> <laughs> that's the most ridiculous name ever made. Oh, man. But, I mean, that's what M. Night's going to M. Night. <laughs> That's what he does. But, I mean, it grossed $243 million, so, I mean, the guy still makes movies that make money. Yeah, yeah, so he's, yeah. That's why, you know, M. Night's M. Night. Yeah. And then he had a, <laughs> after this, Will Smith had a terrific cameo in Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, as an ESPN reporter during uh, the the big fight in that movie, which is great to see. It was super, super surprising to see him. It's like the only good part of that movie. It really is. <laughs> it's, it's, I wish it, they didn't do it. That in the... Um, Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig back and forth. Okay, yeah. That is the only funny part of the movie. Anchorman is such an iconic comedy. Like, I don't think you could make a successful sequel that's yeah. good. I mean, I, they tried, but, like, it's like you can't capture you, magic in a bottle again. You can't capture lightning in a bottle twice, and yeah. it's just... I don't know why they... Obviously money, but... And I think also, oh, Adam McKay had to do it so that he big could short. Make, yeah, big short. And also, it's nine years later, so I think it was, like, co comedy tone had changed. Yeah. Whereas Anchorman was an 04... I believe so, yeah. And so that was before, like, comedy was still being very on edge and raunchy, whereas in 2013, it was, like, kind of like that didn't really suit that time. Yeah, and I think Will Smith, I think comedic actors, the earliest parts of their careers are always their funniest because their jokes are freshest, their styles is, are fresh. And so I think when you're an, a comedic actor, not that I still don't find Will Ferrell hysterical, but... I mean, since Anchorman and, like, old school in those movies, like, he has had some bombs and unfunny movies, and I, st I still think he's a very hit-or-miss comedic actor, but I think that falls for a lot of comedic actors in general. Yeah, that's a good point, because Will Smerrill... Will, Will Smerrill? <laughs> Will Smerrill. Will, Will Ferrell, I think, is the funniest person alive, but he's made some bad movies for sure, especially the last 10 years. Like, they are hit-or-miss for sure. But, you know, 2004, he's still coming up. SNL and Fresh as, fresh as a Daisy. Yeah. 
And then in 2014, he was in Winter's Tale, which is a pretty cool movie. It's, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's um, Akiva Goldsmith wrote this and directed this. He's a, he's a really great writer. He's written a ton of Ron Howard's films, and uh, this was his directorial debut. And it's got cool elements and a cool tone. It's got fantasy. It's got romance. Um, it's got, you know, heaven and hell themes. But it's just, like, didn't quite hit. Um, I think it's a hard tone to balance, especially for a first film. I think he went a little too big. And Will Smith just has a minor role in this. It's kind of like a cameo. and But the real movie centers upon Colin Farrell's character and the villain played by Russell Crowe. But it's a good movie. If you like romance, this is right up your alley for sure. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then 2005, he starred... 2015. In, I mean, 2015, sorry. <laughs> he starred in Focus, and he co-starred with Margot Robbie. This is like a big role for Margot Robbie. And um, it was directed by... Glenn Ficarra and John Requa. Focus! He plays a con man, basically, as well as... And he's he takes Jess, who play, who's played by Margot Robbie, like, under, his, under wing. his wing as like a one... She's like a swindler, but then taking yeah. her as like his person. She's kind of like a, like a pickpocket. And this movie's really good. It's great. It's charming. It's romantic. They have great chemistry together. And Margo, yeah, they do. This was really important for Margot in her career because... She had just come off Wolf of Wall Street, and she's everyone loves her in Wolf, but she's got a small role in that movie. Whereas this, she's got a major role in this film, and she really held her own with Will, Will, Will Smith. And this is before she was a household name. So, but her and Will Smith together, absolute like gold. And then also in 2015, he starred in Concussion, and this was about the Nigerian-born pathologist Dr. Bennett Omalu, who on discovers the fact that football players are suffering from a brain da- brain damage called CTE and so he it's about the uh him trying to expose what's happening to these athletes from the head trauma that they suffer in their sport for decades of playing and how it's a serious illness that needs to be like there needs to be attention on but it's about the corruption of a corporation trying to hide all that information yeah and eventually you know helmets have been changed and they've tried their best to make better improvements for the safety of players in terms of the design of helmets but and also yeah. uh penalties like exactly no more head hitting. yeah no more head hitting so the way nfl players play the game it's definitely much more safer than it was 20 years ago but the nfl has spent decades sweeping this under the rug and and this disease it's very dangerous because it can seriously affect uh longevity uh, a lot of these players they don't live into their 60s and also uh, it affects their behavior they become they can become very aggressive very violent and very confused as well and so it has horrible effects on on people's minds and, and there have even been a few major players over the last few years who have retired very early and very young out of the fear of getting too many concussions yeah i think calvin johnson's a great example of a great athlete and one of the best at his position of all time as being a wide receiver retiring very young and people being very shocked by it because he still had so much left in the tank and also what was that carolina panthers linebacker who retired two years ago uh uh, yeah he was like um, caliber mvp caliber defensive player he's a hall of famer yeah like potentially yeah but then he quit after four years because of you know his he wanted to protect his brain and his mind into his future yeah i mean there are even cases of college athletes and high school athletes that have cte and so it's a really important issue that had to be brought to the surface and will smith is phenomenal in this film i think it's a very underrated movie yeah underrated um i just don't i he got people say he was snubbed for the oscar i could definitely see that for sure but ultimately i think the movie it had the potential to be a great great film but it ultimately it kind of was underwhelming mm-hmm. and so i think that's why he didn't get recognized because off, i say it a lot if a movie isn't amazing 
oftentimes the great acting in it can get overlooked. 100%. And then 2016, he starred as Deadshot in Suicide Squad. And, you know, I think most of us have been disappointed by this film. It was wildly successful. It almost made $900 million. It was so cool to see all these characters on the screen. Great trailer. Yeah, and yeah, the trailer is what sold it. And Will Smith and Margot Robbie are pretty much the only good parts about this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I the, the plot this. is pretty ridiculous. They have the Joker in it, but he's like not really in it that much. So it's is a, is a waste really of all these great characters. And like I say all the time, why have the Joker in a movie if he's not the main villain? Why? So dumb. Why? Or like at least a major part of the film, or at least maybe facilitate who the villain is. It's just ha- they just have him do some cool stuff and yeah. some weird stuff. It's just yeah, it's the, a waste of Jared Leto's role. Yeah, the the movie was a uh, very underwhelming, and the villain sucked. And <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just it wasn't that funny either. But you know, Will Smith and Margot clearly are the reasons why the movie even worked at all, if that. Oh, and Viola Davis is excellent. Yeah, she's cool. She's great. And then obviously they remade, they basically remade kind of that into the Suicide Squad. Yeah. With like new characters. It's, a, it's not a full on remake though. It's just a sequel. Yeah, it's like a sequel remake. Reimagining. Yeah, mashup. Yeah. And then in 2016, he was in Collateral Beauty, which I think was a bit of a swing and a miss. <laughs> a bit of a bore too. And this is a, like a star-studded cast, but it's... You, you, but it's one of those movies that it seems like it was a daytime drama that just got a huge budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't, you can't blame him for wanting to work with this cast. I mean, you got uh, Kate Winslet, um, Helen Mirren, amazing actors, and I think just the story. I understand what they were going for, but it just didn't work. You know what I mean? These actors are playing physical representations of, you know, major ideas or themes. You know, like someone's love, and then someone is death, and someone plays life, and. That's a man who writes letters to these ideas, and they respond to him in physical form. And it, it definitely seems like it does. If it seems like it should be a kids movie, maybe like a I mean. Pixar movie. No, it's like yeah. those like TVD day dramas. Yeah, with a huge budget. Yeah, it just didn't. It didn't didn't work. Yeah, sorry guys. It's I don't know if you like this movie, but <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty trash. But um, before we continue, the Fresh Prince always stayed fresh, and you. Have to too. So head on over to manscaped.com and get the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer using our coupon code Raiders of the Lost for 20% off and free shipping. This brand new groomer is waterproof, has a 7,000 RPM motor, wireless charger, built in light. You can use it in the shower, in the dark if you want. Fellas, get on manscaped.com. Everyone listening, if you have a man in your life, you need to get them a gift. You just want to surprise them with something that they'll actually appreciate. Forget about the cliche stuff that you get, guys. Go to manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping because this is stuff that guys will actually use. I swear. They're weed whacker, men's deodorizers, men's wipes. We use it all. Box briefs are super comfortable. So thanks, Manscaped, for sponsoring the show. Also, I got to tell you about movieposters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Use our special promo code Raiders15 off to get 15% off your order today. If you're checking out our set on YouTube, you will see that our walls are covered in these amazing posters. The quality is top-notch, the price is super affordable, and they have a huge selection of movies. Pretty much every film and TV show you can think of, they have it. They also have all sorts of sizes of posters. They can do framing, they can do backlighting. Whatever your needs are for your posters, MoviePosters.com can handle it. Again, head on over to MoviePosters.com and use our promo code RAIDERS15OFF to get 15% off your order today. 
All right, let's get back into Will and his filmography. And then 2017, he starred in Bright, which is from director David Ayer. And I think this was one of those early yeah. Netflix produ original productions, like right? Like, they didn't buy it. They produced this. Yeah, so this yeah. was actually huge for streaming in SVOD for, you know, you actually make, can make a giant production film with huge stars like... Will Smith, Joel Edgerton, Numi Rapace. And it's a pretty cool movie. I think the story could have been fleshed out a little better, but it's, the concept is really interesting where, you know, there's it's a cop, but it's a buddy cop movie. It's Training Day meets Lord of the Rings. Yeah, where mythical creatures exist. Yeah. So it's it's cool. The concept's cool, but I think it could have been more well-written. But I also think that that Pixar movie with um, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland, they ripped this movie off. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I can't remember what it's called, but they totally, like, stole the idea of, like, uh, grounded reality like ours but has fantasy elements to it and I also like I mean you cover up Joel Edgerton's face the whole time it's it's like but it is an interesting concept it's it's we fun. know you we know how much you love the the handsome Australian actors oh yeah the, the Australians are the best but it's it's it this movie works at points and then it doesn't work ultimately I think the the weakness of the movie is the writing because what happens oftentimes in this movie is the villains so Will Smith and Edgerton, they're on the run from villains, and the villains just keep showing up where they are without us ever understanding how they figured out where they are, how they tracked them down. Like super quickly, too. And there's, like, a, a scene in a gas station, and then this gas station just starts getting attacked by the villains, and it's like, how do they get there? How do they know that they were there? It's like, things like that happen in this movie that are just inexplicable and kind of take you out of the reality of it. And just piss you off. Yeah, they. I, I was like, m multiple times in this movie, I was like, how did that happen? So, but ultimately, it's a cool concept, and Will Smith is a great lead as well. But uh, I just think it didn't fully tie it together. Yeah, but I do believe they announced that they're making a sequel to this. So, Bright Two will, I'm sure, be filming within the next two years, probably. Netflix has the cheddar. They got all the cheddar in the world. They got a whole giant underground vat full of cheddar cheese. And next up in 2019, he played the genie in Aladdin, and this was Guy Ritchie's interpretation of the film and the character. And in the story of Aladdin for Disney, and I love Guy Ritchie. I like this movie. I know everyone. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about this movie, but to see a live ad adaptation of one of our childhood favorites was really cool. I think that this is definitely one of the better live action Disney movies of the last uh, decade. It's a good time, and it definitely f makes you feel like the, you're watching the original one. It very much um, follows what that film did, and I think that if you're gonna have the genie. Who else can you have to do this part other than Will Smith? I think that he was— Since Robin Williams. Yeah, since Robin Williams passed away, who do you have? And I think Will Smith was probably the only choice, ultimately. Like, I can't think of anyone else who can do the comedy, do the musical numbers, do the improvisation, have the natural charm and charisma. I think it's an impossible task, and a lot of people ultimately— when they saw him as Will Smith as the genie, I remember the first reaction. Yeah, everyone was freaking out. Everyone was freaking out on the internet when they f released the first image and then the first trailer. But I, I, even I was skeptical. I was like, oh, the character design, I'm not really sold on it. But then when I watched the movie, it really works. It really does. And I think that they did an amazing job trying to follow up Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Who could do this? Maybe, maybe Hugh Jackman. I don't know. I don't know about the comedy. Yeah. I've never seen Hugh Jackman as funny. Have you? He's got some funny moments. It's sarcastic as Logan, but that's it. But I'm talking about like stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't think anyone can do it. You're right. It had to have been Will. Mm -hmm. All right. And then in 
2019, he starred in Gemini Man, and this was a film from director Ang Lee, and he plays an assassin who is confronted with a younger version of himself. This movie, it has really great parts to it, but then it, the script just falls apart, mm-hmm. and the, it's the writing which is the problem of this movie. I, I, I don't know who wrote this. I, can't, I didn't look it up, but it definitely needed a serious rewrite, and Ang Lee is such an amazing director. But he has has made a couple of movies in the last ten years that are just you know they didn't they don't match what I think he is has a caliber as as a, as a director and this is a movie where great concept amazing execution especially in terms of the digital um, um, technology that Industrial Light and Magic performed by creating the younger version of Will Smith using motion capture it is like you're not questioning it at all when you see the young version of him like it was five years ago where you can tell like it's like oh it's definitely cgi but they did an amazing job with the technology but ultimately the story is the weakest part of this film the first act is great but then once it gets going it's kind of just like i very very underwhelming and and they missed their mark for sure yeah and i just think that the characters aren't super interesting especially the younger version of himself they're 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 they they have like a ceiling of interest you know They're not super like Will's great as the charming guy. You know yeah. that's what he does best. I think even when he does his dramatic stuff. But and Clive Owen, his villain, he had it was an underwhelming villain. Yeah, and then I, I love Clive, but yeah, yeah, you're right. As a villain, I'm not a huge fan. He 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 could have done. It, it's just the writing. I think is what it was the problem. Mary mm-hmm. Elizabeth Winstead, she did a great job, but again, her character was just like this. Kind this is getting really unbelievable at this point. So it, I think it had a great setup, great concept, good execution at first, but. Ultimately, underwhelming. Yeah, and overall, the visual effects are stunning, though. Yeah. The motion capture oh, and de-aging technology that was used is incredible. And then he voiced a character on Spies in Disguise in 2019. With he Tom plays, Holland, right? He plays Lance. Yeah, Tommy Holland's in this as well. <laughs> Tommy Holland. Rashida Jones, Ben Mendelsohn. Awesome cast. And yeah, he's a super spy who has to lead a team of... of other people declare his name, and it's cool. I've never seen it. And he, he gets turned into a carrier pigeon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. It's pretty funny. Oh, he, do all the spies become, like, animals? No, no, no. He Like, Tom Holland's <laughs> character actually like, turns him into a pigeon. Oh. And so he's trying to clear his name as a spy. He's, like, the biggest spy, like, the ultra spy. He's, like, James oh, Bond got turned it. into a pigeon. Got it. And Tom Holland's, like, the, the co-lead in it. Got it, got it. It's pretty funny. Uh-huh. It's pretty funny. All right, and then in, what do we have next? 2020. 2020 bad boys for life bad boys reclaimed his role as mike lowry mike lowry it was it was awesome to see them again it's, yeah it's bad boys like it's a great franchise it's always a good time and we know what we're gonna get walking into it and we are always satisfied i think and even though michael bay didn't make it it still felt like a bad boys movie because the the filmmakers is this filmmaking duo uh bad boy bad boys was their favorite movies growing up and so they were like extremely passionate about the job and they tried their best to emulate what Michael Bay created visually. Yeah, and it's great to see them back in action again. It's super funny. It's it's better than I thought it would be. I, when I saw that first trailer, I was like, I don't know, do we need another Bad Boys? But then you know, I watched it. I'm like, oh, it was great. I, and now they're in pre-production for a fourth one. Yeah. So it, it so it's Bad Boys Four is in pre-production, yeah. even though there's been four Bad Boys. There's been three. Well, it's Bad Boys, Bad Boys Two. Oh, this is the third one. Yeah. Never mind. Bad Boys for Life is. Three. And you have a movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's what we call a brain fart. And so it was, it was directed by Adil El Arbi and Bilal Fala. So they are the co-directors of that yeah. film. Yeah. And then uh, his most recent movie is playing King Richard. No, playing Richard. Playing 
it's coming out soon. It's uh, he plays Richard Williams, who was the father and who is the father and coach of Serena and Venus Williams. And the film's about, called King Richard. Yeah, it's called King Richard. He's not playing a king. <laughs> you bonehead. Sorry, I was reading at the same time. <laughs> I think I'm dehydrated. And he's getting. I think he got paid. What is it? Thirty mil? Forty. Forty million for that movie. Big role. Yeah. It looks like an incredible film. It looks like an excellent trailer. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. I love sports films, especially when they're well made, because there's no better story than. Telling that underdog story of especially of these two characters where they come where they came from in Compton to becoming the greatest athletes in their sports and history. Amazing story. And I just get goosebumps watching this trailer. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah. And so he has a bunch of other stuff that he's either filming in pre-production, post-production. So this joke is a TV series that he's completed that I think is coming out next year. Emancipation, he is filming. The council's in pre-production, fat and loose is in pre-production. Bad Boys 4 pre-production and Bright 2 was just announced. So he's got a bunch of movies coming out. Yeah, it looks soon. like he's really gearing up because he he was taking his time with films, do, doing one a year or one every two years. So I think now that his kids are grown up almost, he's spending more time making movies now. Yeah, and Will, besides being an actor, also has a ton of producer credits. He, he's been the executive producer of films like iRobot, Ride or Die, produced Hitch. He produced Pursuit of Happiness, Hancock, um, Seven Pounds, Lake Terrace, Lakeview Terrace, The Secret Life of Bees, This Means War, The New Karate Kid he produced, After Earth, uh, The Queen Latifah Show, Annie. Um, let's see. And he's also producing the the new, I think, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air show, maybe. Bad Boys for Life produced. So he's, he's, I don't know how I feel about having a new bat, new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I mean, I guess, but like... There's only just, one Fresh Prince. It's... I'm sure There's he's, only one. He's, I'm sure he's getting a cut of it, but it's kind of a bummer. Like, can, can't you just make a new version of, like, a show that's similar? Or just, you know, watch the old one. It, it's so... The old one's perfect. Yeah. It's like if you try to reboot The Office. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like... Why would you try to reboot The Office? Or why would you try to reboot The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Some, yeah, someone told me about this, and I was like, they're remaking The Fresh Prince? Like, oh my god. I mean, god. it's been 25 years since it ended, yeah, but still, it's on, like... You can watch it on Peacock. You can watch the whole just thing. Just come up with a new show. Yeah. Jeez, Louise, man! man. I, just, I can't, I can't do it's, these it's remakes anymore. It's kind of anymore. a bummer. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's perfect. You can't, you can't replace Will Smith. Yeah, you, that's like, it. That's the whole thing. You can't replace Will Smith. He's it's a impossible. superstar. The, the the show is him. It's because of him that it worked. Like I'm sure the the young actor who'll play. Uh, I'm sure he's a talented actor, and I'm sure he'll is do he a great job. Is he playing Will Smith? Is his character yeah. going to be called Will? Yes, yeah, Willard Smith. Ah, uh, that's kind of weird. I believe. Yeah. Why not just? Well, I guess. I mean, it would work if it was like Jaden. But he's too, yeah, he's too big, too for big of a, a TV star. show. Uh, and I'm, I don't know. Uh, you know how we feel about reboots and stuff like that. Yeah. Not huge fans of them all. But anyways, that, we'll do some. Uh, oh, sorry. oh yeah, we got some. some we facts. got a lot of trivia. All right, let's let's do some fun Will Smith facts from his movies. Jada Pinkett Smith actually tried out for the role of Lisa in Fresh Prince of Bel Air. However, she was ironically rejected due to a lack of chemistry with Will Smith and also their their drastic height difference. Very ironically, they got married three years later and have two children together and remain married to the present day. I thought they got separated. No, they um, they have uh, what do you call it? They can see other people. Open marriage. Oh, an open. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Will Smith called the After Earth the most painful failure of his career. I I bet because like he was there from start to finish. Yeah, and he kind of came up with the idea, the original yeah. idea. Man, what a bummer. It sounds like a cool idea he had at first. Hancock was originally supposed to be the villain of the film Hancock, but the script was rewritten once Will Smith signed because, as you stated, he has to be the hero of all of his movies. Yeah. 
In the movie Bad Boys, the studio refused to to fund the final action sequence, and so Michael Bay paid for the twenty five thousand shoot on his own. Will Smith actually had a huge hand in helping develop the plot for Men in Black Three, and actually came up with the idea of the team traveling back in time in the next movie while they were filming Men in Black Two. For the movie Men in Black, Vincent D'Onofrio researched his role as Edgar by watching a lot of bug documentaries. In order to achieve his character's distinctive walk, he put on knee braces so he couldn't bend his legs and also taped up his ankles. Will Smith refused to go completely shirtless in Bad Boys, the first film, and he compromised with a non-buttoned-up shirt. So I actually like that where he's not going to yeah. like objectify himself on camera just because of what he looks like. So rather than let's focus on the characters in the movie and the performance, even though it's a it's a Michael Bay blockbuster. But you know you know how Michael Bay like Bay likes to sell his movies. He did it in I Am Legend though. He's yeah. doing shit up shirtless yeah. and running on a treadmill. He's like, all right, I gotta get some more more butts in the. Well, seats. he's he's in, in amazing shape for I Am Legend, so I think he wanted to like show how how committed he was. To he's it. in great shape in Bad Boys too. Yeah, yeah but he's insane shape in I Am. Legend. How good of a shape is he in? Wild shape. <laughs> in the movie Men in Black, the sunglasses used by the Men in Black are the Ray-Ban Predator 2 glasses. After the film's release, Ray-Ban reported that sales of these glasses tripled from $1.6 million in sales to over $5 million in sales. Sorry. To over $5 million in sales. For the movie The Legend of Bagger Vance, Matt Damon did not have any previous golfing experience. He spent a month with golf pro Tim Moss in order to train and learn how to play golf. Because of his intense training, Matt Damon even suffered from a separated rib due to, due to the excessive golf practicing he prepared with. To get in shape for Ali, Will Smith moved to Aspen, Colorado, where the air is much thinner. He would get up every morning at 6.30 a.m. to go for a five-mile run before hitting the gym every day for three hours of ring work, and then follow that up with a full afternoon of weight training. Of weight training. He also went up to 210 pounds, and yeah. he's 6'2", so that's a big dude. The actor put on 35 pounds of muscle in less than four months. Yeah, it was the training. It's the training. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of muscle. Anyways... That wraps our episode on Will Smith and we his love spotlights, and we're so glad you tuned into this because it was a lot of fun, and we love Will, and we can't wait to see what else he does in his career. We'll probably be seeing King Richard pretty soon. And he's one of the best movie stars of all time. Yeah, one of the biggest for sure, and like we said, he's one of the last of the dying breed of the mega movie stars of worldwide fame and acclaim and everything like that. So exactly. Thanks for tuning in. Become a patron at patreon.com slash readers of lost podcast today for all the bonus content and episodes, and we appreciate you tuning in around the world. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. If you're new, hit the like button, leave a comment. Find us on all audio streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to check out one of these other videos right here for more content on our favorite films and breaking down all kinds of movie content. Thanks so much.